Hey everybody, this is a continuation of last week's episode. If you haven't listened to part one, be sure to give that a listen and then continue on to this one. I, I hated the, the point of conversation when like we started going to college and everything where the stirrup of, um, hey, college is too expensive and like we can't get a job while we're in college and shit like that. And all the boomers were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like when... We went to college, we could do this, this, and this. We came out, we had a high-paying job immediately and got a house. It's like, look, you shithead. <laughs> Good for you. Right. <laughs> it's like, your tuition was $1,000 if that. If you guys, the ones that are running the college at this point, or like are on the alumni board and shit like that, if you can make it that again, then we'll shut our fucking mouth. But that's not the case. It's like, yeah. it increase. doesn't go very far. Right, and it's just overall inflation in, and and also they're the ones that pushed it in terms of, hey, you have to have a degree to do this job. When yeah. back in the day, it was just like an apprenticeship, vocational school, whatever, yeah. and you can get through it. I mean, like hindsight, if I could do it again, I'd probably just be, uh, I'd be an electrician. Like I'd go through an apprenticeship, become an electrician, yeah. whatever. Because, like, you get more money, you can start right out of high school, it's on-job training, you don't have to learn BS that you'll never fucking use just to prove that you are a qualified individual to get the degree, not even the job. Yeah. Um, I would also be debt-free. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, just going back to the repayment stuff, um, just with Faith's situation, too, they're, they're asking for, for her loan... $390 a month. Jesus Christ. This is the income driven is, one? Yeah. The, yeah. After They're you like for, reapplied to like yeah. see the qualification. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that Biden, um, that Biden Harris stuff that they're pushing, like that's not even going to be effective till next year. Yeah. No. Um, I, like I, they're, they're asking, sorry, they're, they're asking 390 and guess how much of that went to the principal like, or goes to pr principal 50. Seven. Seven? Jesus Seven bucks. Christ. <laughs> Fucking highway robbery. Uh, yeah. And it's just because of all the unsubsidized loans and then the, the varied interest rates that are just abysmal across the board. I, I remember when we were in school, it was like the third year. You guys remember that at all? It was like the third year. We no longer basically were having like 3% loans. It like got jacked up to like 6.8 or something. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, wow, I'm glad I'm at, like, the tail end of this school because <clears throat> these interest rates suck. <laughs> oh, I do remember that now that you say that. Yeah, but back then also, it's like we didn't really think too hard about it because, again, it's like all the money, we weren't paying it back. It was just all on the computer. But I remember when they had the announcement, I'm like, holy shit, it basically doubled. This is going to be terrible. <laughs> and I feel for whoever had to take those loans. I know I did for some of them. Not, not a lot, but I had to take that loan with that high interest rate. Yeah, luckily for me, pri the private loans were already high, but they didn't change <laughs> their rates at all. <laughs> God, yeah. When I when we first when we first graduated, I got we we all got our first job. You know, oh my God! I just I, remember feeling like it was so much money. Yeah, I agree. Or at least the thought was as soon as we graduate and start get it you know start a full-time job it's just going to be all the money yeah just more money than we know what to do with. It, all the rest was, of the stuff is going to go away i was able to function 
I, I, I wouldn't say I was ever like in a terrible scenario, which was actually nice. I, I'm glad I was able to like pay everything off and stuff, but um, but yeah, I think my monthly payments when I got out of school, I think was like 250 or something, but I paid extra. Um, Always but pay then, like, extra. even after we graduate, like, we need a car usually. I think my car payment was three. My car payment was three seventy five. Um, twenty fifteen Honda Accord. Woot woot! Still driving it. <laughs> That's um, nice. I had to. And then my apartment was. Uh, I was living with Ken, so um, yeah, my apartment was six hundred a month. But, and, and I did the math on this, the equivalency over the course of, what, four or five years, I think my effective rent with utilities was like 850 or something. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah. No, it, it was great at the time. Um, I, I think it was shit um, in hindsight, though, because my the utility costs it. Like, in the wintertime, it, my gas bill was so freaking high, mm-hmm. it didn't make any sense. And I think part of it was because the furnace was in the back stairwell. It wasn't insulated. I think it was just the air was getting heated and then chilled immediately in the vents before entering the unit. Yeah, it's and it's basically um, it was stupid Chicago syndrome of construction from back in the day. Like all these bungalows yeah. that were converted into like apartments for multiple residents, and it just they're just not up to <laughs> the current right. standards of things. Exactly. So. Like my my effective rent should have been more like seven hundred. 750 not not freaking 850 or whatever but mm-hmm. but anyway at the time coming out of school like i don't know i felt like my money went so far and i don't know it, it was it was actually okay for me i wasn't i didn't feel like i was struggling by any means i was still driving a old ass volkswagen passat that i had bought outright so there was no monthly payment there I moved back home no additional payments there and was putting as much money as I could towards those loans. Not everything, but it was, you know, probably like twofold every time something was due and still felt like, uh, that view of, I have, we, all this money's going to add up so quick. It just d- disappeared. I just really got a sense of like, wow, i Feel You're like making, making all the right decisions yeah. here, and still, the, the, I'm not getting any of this money. It comes right from the employer, passed right by me to all these other expenses that I've accrued, and that sucked. And that was, you know, I was on the lower end of what could have been. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a point where it's like. And I'm, I think Eli was a different situation because I've spoken to him about this specifically, but it's like there was a point where I was living comfortably, like Amanda and I were living comfortably and everything, but it's like we could barely save money. Yeah. Like just trying to pay off things and all this other stuff. And it's like we were still within our means, right? But like just zero money was going into yeah. a savings at all, which is yeah, like... Putting, it's like 100 fun. bucks or 200 bucks a month or something. I don't, I don't even remember what it was for me. Right, and it's like, like, it's not the end of the world because it's like, hey, I, as long as I'm working, I'm at least paying into a 401 and I can at least jack up that percentage so I have something at the end of the my lifespan or work span, whatever I want to call it, right? But right. it's just like, uh, in terms of like what was driven in my head or 
even your guys's head in terms of generational discussion with our parents is like always have money and savings for for backup and it's like the cost of living just shifted so hard for us and like yeah. coming out of school like i think when i my f- first pay rate with this company was $25 an hour with time and a half overtime. My first year was I think 65,000, which for all intents and purposes, like looking back at it now, like super underpaid. Yeah. Right. And then now I'm into six figures and I still think I'm underpaid, but I also see it as at this point, it's like, more money, more problems because you see less of that money when you make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the fuck? What's the point of me even fighting for this? Like, I still had like nothing about my lifestyle or, or financial situation changed when I hit that milestone for myself. And it's just like, all I see is so much more taken out for fucking federal taxes. And I just, yeah, right. Die. It goes, it goes up and it's just like disproportionately goes like more goes to the government. And you're like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? It's like, I think I, lo- <laughs> I think when I tracked it, I'm like, okay. So when I went from this to this, I saw to maybe $20 on a check. And then like when I was just below six figures, and then jump to six figures, I think it was a $50 change on my check. And I was wow. like, what the fuck is this? And then I finally look at my first pace. I look at the breakdown and compared it. And I'm like, oh, I'm paying like $300 extra to the federal government or something. <laughs> I was like, fuck this, dude. Like, how much money do I need to make for just to ignore this shit? Not, not to um, diverge into like taxes. Maybe this would be a conversation. And another podcast day, but um, do you guys play with your W4s at all? Your withholdings? Not no. currently, no. I, I think pro tip, um, if you guys want your refund checks every year, like let's just presume it's $1,000, um, more power to you, but after if your job is fairly consistent year over year and your tax return shows like $1,000, let's just say, divvy that up across all of your paychecks and uh, tweak your W-4 withholding amounts like by that amount. Um, so like, let's just say $1,000 so a year. You're basically saying file and all your paychecks. Huh? You're basically yeah. saying file, not zero. Yeah. 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 Just, just maximize your paycheck by tweaking your W-4 in relation to what your tax return was. And by the end of the year, either it's going to be zero, you're going to get a little bit of money or you're going to give a lot of, uh, give some money. Um, this is just a way where, so you don't have to wait till the end of the year to get your thousand dollars or whatever. You just divvy it across all your paychecks throughout the year and call it a day. I did that um, at my first job and it worked out fairly well. I boosted my paycheck like I don't know, fifty bucks a paycheck or something. I, I think that changed. Day. I think that changed a little bit when you have dependents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you could still. I mean, that's what I'm saying. If it's consistent, like you, you change your number of de- dependents, and then there's also like a, a line where you can change how much uh, you you want to keep. Well, I think next week is when that enrollment opens again to yep. go play with that. I know I got to go in to play with that because I got to fix whatever I did last year because last year I ended up owing. Oh. <clears throat> yes. Do not want to repeat. Yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, I've also got. Um, other areas where they're t- 
taken chunks as well. Yeah. So, um, did you guys pay your student loans at all during COVID? Like when there was a pause? Uh, I made some dents into my federal. Yeah. Like, uh, each time the COVID subsidy came in, I just threw it at that just so that it would be a lower number when it eventually resumed and would be less immediate interest. Yeah. I think I threw at it seven grand or something. Nice. Yeah. I, I didn't put any in there. I just let that, I let that thing sit. Uh, kind of hoping to see if that whole like forgiveness thing kicked in. So I'm like, I'd rather oh. put the money to the side. Yeah. And put dents in this thing. When they started talking about anyway. that, I stopped because otherwise, like I was at a point where I'm like, okay, I'm in, currently in a position where I can just zero out my current balance. But like with where Biden's discussion is going, like I'm kind of hopeful for it. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I know this isn't gonna go. Like the like, there's zero fucking chance this is gonna fly. Like just, yeah. But I was very hopeful, and it just kept like pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. And then, um, I kind of regret it now. Like I should have just paid it off because then it'd be one less thing off uh, on my plate. But I 100% do not plan on um, doing the income-driven payments just because of how much money I fucking make, I yeah. don't want to have that huge of a dent to like pay into every month for it just to be all fucking interest anyways. Yeah, definitely not worth it. Like my current, my current payments between like for mine, it's like 70 bucks a month. And then Amanda's is 50 bucks a month, but I'm paying 200 to 300 between the two of them every month right now yeah just like it's a pretty good payment plan <clears throat> yeah so that's pretty much what i did too i just kind of tacked on another you know 50 100 bucks or whatever per the per payment and you know before you know it you're you paid off an extra payment <laughs> you're gonna be paying it for a while so might as well it's sort of like the 401k mentality the one percent addition <laughs> you just add a little bit and keep going yeah I mean, I think for me, the way I look at it is I'll pay into it slowly in between like credit cards and everything else. It's like if I have, I would like to be able to just throw the lump sum at it at some point and just call it a fucking day. And so like, that's what I generally save up for. It's like, if I have that kind of money sitting around, I'll just immediately throw it at it because in the long term, it saves me a lot more money, right? Instead of just paying at it slowly with increased yeah. payments, it's like, oh, I'm sitting on let's call it four thousand dollars this month and i'll be fine next month and, and like this is in savings or this is already quote unquote allocated f uh, money for me i'll just pay something off like right then and there and not have to fucking think about it ever again mm -hmm. that's good <clears throat> that's ultimately what i did i was paid off before covid hit <clears throat> you um have you guys heard any like what have you guys heard like any like major horror stories like they always talk about it like on the news and stuff, but I don't know. I mean, aside from faiths, but you know, if all goes well, it'll get forgiven. Uh, like, I, I can't imagine knowing somebody else that has a 50k loan and their monthly is 390, and then like only seven bucks goes to the yeah. freaking principal. Like, like you you'd literally have to double that payment pretty much to like pay it off somehow in a legitimate way. So your monthly payments like. 500 600 plus honestly that, at that, that point i would 
do everything in my, like if I was in that situation, I would honestly do everything I could in my power to get a personal loan or private loan for that amount to get out from that specific situation, yeah. right? Um, and that's honestly like one of the, 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 the industries that kind of really boomed because of COVID was like the personal loans and stuff like that because people just weren't working. But like they've gotten a little bit more lax because like I've had to take a personal loan for doing like work around the house and stuff like that because it's just such a lump sum cost, but not like in its full entirety, just like partial and I can pay it off immediately, like I've said. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I would do. I mean, th the biggest thing that fucking really pissed me off about the student loan situation just overall is Amanda, who is a nurse for healthcare um, and worked through COVID, got fucking zilch from the federal government for it, right? Like they just got a pat on the back. But then the biggest kick in the dick was after I found out that there is something called the Nurse Corps Loan Repayment Program where if you apply to this and you basically commit for two years of your career to working or whatever, and it is prorated, they can pay up to 85% of unpaid nursing education debt, including private loans, federal subsidized, unsubsidized, or whatever. Wow, damn. But it's like- Wait, Do they have a cap amount on that? Yes, so you basically, you have to apply and they only take however many applicants a year. But it's like, this was never advertised. This is something that's not talked about. And it took me just out of pure, like, federal government frustration and hatred of like, hey, these are the people that are fucking taking care of everyone because of one dumbass's stupid mistake. Why are they getting only a pat on the back on this? And I did like, I think this was like, eight hours during the week of research that I just fucking did. And I landed on this and I read through it like in detail. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, why is this wow. not talked about? Like she could have all of her debt basically just wiped fucking clean because of this program. It's like, you can get up to like $200,000 or something. It's that was ridiculous. okay. That was going to be my next question because when you say they're selecting people and they are claiming they're advertising up to eighty five percent, I could see them selectively choosing people who have less owed so that they can make that claim. But you looked into it, and there's a dollar amount that they can go to. They can get up to the two hundred. Huh. What's what's their Government criteria? Site. So basically, um, so you can get sixty percent paid off over two years. And then if you do a third year commitment to like your quote unquote service contract, then you get the additional 25% of the original amount. So that's why it's up to whatever. So you basically tell them how much it is you apply. You have to commit to working in one of the qualified facility, like professions or facilities or whatever, um, for two years. And then you, um, you can apply again for the third year to get up to 35. I guess my question is, if you work for these places for two years, what is, like, your salary? Like, what's your take-home? Um, I can tell you Amanda makes $40 an hour after working for what? two No, but what would it years? be if she was in this they're, program? Yeah, they're, they're telling you, they're, like, forcing you to work in a specific place for two years. And, like, yeah, it might be worth it, but your life might suck ass for two years. I mean, her life already yeah, sucks I mean. ass. For yeah, the so like, so like imagine, imagine getting paid half that. No, it doesn't come, you know? it doesn't like it. You're not, 
basically we looked at it well i looked at it in detail and asked her questions like the hospital that she's been working at it like falls under the criteria for this program oh so like okay it if she like we're going to apply for the 2024 because we missed the 2023 window um i hope you guys get it yeah me too be fucking legit um and her like i said like her previous work will count so from like the day she started working through covid and like for two years of employment will already count um and then like we can immediately apply and for 2025 to get her third year and then a lot of that debt will just kind of wipe away immediately it'll be fucking great man that would be awesome yeah now, are you going to pause on payments until then or, you know, m- go to the minimum? Uh, no, absolutely not. I was going to say, because that might be a reincarnation of what you described earlier of you paused because you thought there might be a forgiveness. Yeah, no, I learned my lesson on that. You one. just kick the can down the road. Yeah. No, that's a great idea. I, it does. It, it's taking your medicine up front. I mean, you still have to pay off the money anyway i if they're willing to help with you for two years ideally it would be those two years right out of school when you really don't have a a lot of other responsibility other than getting to and from work but in this sense yeah you get rid of that looming cloud of debt with all that insurance yeah it's absolutely fucking crazy dude But, like, if you read the, the documentation, it says, like, categories, RNs, NPs, and APRNs with degree or certification in public health working in eligible facilities up to $1.5 million set aside. Like, that's that main category. Um, and then women that are certified OBGYNs and RNs and stuff like that, it's, like, up to $5 million set aside for the subsidy for them. And then it, like, breaks down further, and it's, like, absolutely fucking insane. And it's just like they basically take applicants and it's just I think they just go down a list. It's like, okay, this person has this much, deduct it from there from how much we set aside for this category, whatever, and they just keep going down until it zeros. And then it's like, okay, can the next applicant go into the next category for whatever reason and things like that? And it just goes zero. Yeah, that would be I I really do hope that you guys get that down next year. Yeah. You'll have to let That'd us know. Great. That would be that would be fantastic. Now, I don't remember when we talked, we've done a episode before where we were talking about uh, our major or it was a, I think it was along the lines of like what we expected and what it really was. Um, oh, yeah. Keeping, keeping aside the possible major change, um, if you were to go back and do mechanical engineering all over again in the same cir- circumstances... Um, would you, would you go through the mechanical engineering route or would you go the electrician route? As Peter said, would you go through the student loan basically, or would you, I would, if, if the parameter is to like go through mechanical engineering again, I would, and I would just apply as an invit like by myself into for like the federal subsidy and then fought harder for a government job. I, I would do it all over again. Like even my pre-med bullshit in the beginning. Um, but I feel like the education that we got just for engineering in general, like 
that all like that is something that will carry with us like forever. But how? I don't think uh, we would have gotten that same effect from uh, doing other line work. Oh yeah, totally agree with you. But my question to follow up on that is, how much day to day do you use your degree? Not a lot. Probably um, very little. We'll just leave it at that. Because like this was something that I asked us all. I recall asking us all when we first started our jobs, right? And like we have friends that are mechanical engineers that went into a civil engineering firm and they're like yeah. building pipelines and bridges. And it's like, okay, pipelines I can loosely get. Bridges, zero idea how the fuck that happened. Um, what I, oh, go ahead. But I was like, and part of the reason why like I used to, used to, keyword here used to justify to myself that my pay was so much lower than like basically everyone else's was i'm in a degree that's kind of a niche within an or in a field that's a niche within a niche and like i'm utilizing my degree which i in my head was holding a price point value of like however much my debt was and it's like it's infinitely better for me because i'm actually utilizing what i learned hindsight i think that's a real was a really bad mentality because i would have gotten out of this fucking company a lot sooner had i fucking changed my thought process um but i i understand where the curriculum went and like how it was catered and i understand that currently the curriculum is changing and everything to kind of and also expand out more i don't know if uic specifically is doing that but it's like we were kind of cornholed into thinking that mechanical engineering was all just automation, well, even loosely automation, but primarily like thermodynamics, right? Yeah. And HVAC. Yeah. And it's like, that's a fraction of what yeah. mechanical engineering is. And that's, that's my only mm-hmm. gripe about the degree personally. Um, and that's why like I, if I could go back and choose a different path, I would choose something that actually would be beneficial for myself immediately after school or a little bit more specialized. Like if I buckled down, I probably would have went into CS and gotten and been a programmer eating six figures, like right out of school kind of a thing. You know, that's actually a good point that you bring up. I probably would have gone into either electrical engineering or CS or computer science or maybe both double major. Yeah. I was, I I was there. I would not do that. Me personally. (laughs) I would not do that. It's not for the faint of heart, especially if it's not a passion of yours. I mean, if I, I, I don't have a passion for mechanical engineering either. Um, <laughs> I just you have a passion for cash. I yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, at yeah. This I point mean, it's pretty much life. it. Literally nothing wrong with that. That was yeah. that was that was the mentality. It was the same. Kind of the same thing that Peter mentioned earlier, where he was like, all right, four and out, and you do it. I, I don't like school. I didn't like school then. I don't like it now. <laughs> it didn't like me very much at times, and I felt I could get through the mechanical engineering. Calc 2 really tested me, but I f- felt like I could get through that, but I didn't want to be there. So finding something more niche or more... Yeah, finding something that required either more schooling or more focused schooling. Uh, I don't know that I would have. I don't know that I would go back and do that again. 
But I agree. I think that you could go back through the mechanical engineering. But as long as you have the awareness of, hey, this is not geared towards one individual path. You can take this and roll with it. Just know that when you get out, this was kind of the gatekeeping portion. And now you got to go and kind of start all over and learn a new skill set and decide pretty quickly if you're want if you want to roll stay with that and stay in that field or if you got to switch and then it kind of gets to a certain point where you're you now have maybe worked for seven eight years in one field and now you have to decide if you want to make the make a change because you're moving because you want a different salary because you want a different type of role um do you try to stick with that field because you have seven years built up in there or are you completely switching that's my exact predicament currently (laughs) thought that one might hit home but it's it is an interesting thought there like because at the end of the day right you what you went to school for goes out the fucking window It, it doesn't matter what your degree is it matters what how long you've been in the workforce what you're capable of doing what, what you type know of person you are yeah what type of person you your are social like, skills <laughs> yeah it's like i took a um the one company that i applied for um they made me take a pi which is a like personal it's like some kind of assessment for like personalities and things like that yeah. mine and, did that too actually and i'm like i understand that to a degree but like they were very openly and said like look this is more of just a like a fun curiosity for us and just to see how it like over time how that actually plays in because like we don't take it for granted because it's like it's kind of a pseudoscience kind of a thing right because it's pretty objective based on the person who's doing the the assessment or whatever and um because i spent two days up in toronto for this one interview and was speaking with one of the the leadership guys up there or spent a lot of time with him for 48 hours. He was like, when you did your assessment, everything to me, the way that uh, we interacted was pretty spot on, except for like the one thing, which was like your social skills. It kind of was like the exact opposite of what I experienced. And he was kind of curious about that. I'm like, look, realistically speaking, I'm an introvert, but like if I have to go out and do like a social work event thing, like I can be an extrovert. Like I used to be more of an extrovert, but COVID really kind of just flipped it on me, especially with work uh-huh. from home and everything, just like high speed internet and all that stuff that I had. It's like, I just didn't really give a fuck. Like I stopped drinking more or less and all this. So he was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. I never really <laughs> considered it that way. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just the implications of what happened to our generation of workforce. <laughs> I guess if we, uh, if you wanted to put this to a close, you guys want to toss, I guess, one advice to other people who may be considering going to school. Um, my advice generally is kind of like, kind of like what we're all talking about here today. Um, I feel like just having an in-depth conversation with multiple people who actually went to school or went to college. Um, honestly, just talking to these people to get multiple perspectives like realistic perspectives because i think 
I think a lot of us like in high school just get this grander idea of of what life might be like and you get excited and it's really easy to jump into things that probably isn't the best choice for you. Don't drink the so, Kool-Aid immediately. Yeah, like really think about it. It's a big decision. It's like it's hard because you're young and you're excited, but I don't know. Like you got to you got to talk to people who can like eat some sense into you early on. So that's my advice. Just just talk to people, ask questions about it. Don't just like jump the gun. Yeah, I mean, I'm along the same way. Don't just immediately write something off because <clears throat> it's not even so much drinking the Kool-Aid. I mean, in high school for us, it, was, it wasn't even offered up as like a, do you want to drink this or not want to drink this? You just, it's just what you were immersed in. So I know for me, like going to community college meant failure. I meant like I I didn't get into one of the other schools or I didn't get myself in a position where I am moving on to the next step because the next only next step is going to a notable college. And by notable I mean fucking expensive. Uh it wasn't until later. It wasn't until life kicked me in the teeth and that I was like, why, why was I thinking like that? Why? Because everybody else was, and it, th- there was no the great mentality. reason. <laughs> there was no great reason. And then as soon as I start, as soon as I got a couple of the gen eds out of the way at community college, I gotten work. <clears throat> and then looking back, I was like, what? this is a much better path for for somebody that would have been in my position not entirely sure still know that i want to go pursue engineering but don't exactly know how yet um i yeah that's what i would do so if if it's somebody that is not i don't know gung-ho on going ivy league or something like that just there's there are plenty of options and a lot of them financially are better than four years at a school yeah I mean, I plan on giving my kid the the same like piece of advice is like, look, you're 18 or whatever age. And frankly speaking, like you don't know who you are. You don't know what you want to do. And it's okay to, if you have the luxury, take the time off and really figure that out. It's like, yeah, you can have a passion in high school or whatever. And then you start. But like if at the end of the day, what you're going through, like for higher education or vocational school or whatever it may be, like has no passion for you. Like I, I think after just experiencing it, it's like it's a little short sighted to think that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Like realistically speaking, like don't don't want to really like shit on anyone's parade, but it's like do what you can to find what you like to do and shoot for it. Because if you can get that out of the way and either come to terms that this is not what you thought it was or like realize like, hey, this is incredible. I want to keep doing this Um, and more power to you because realistically speaking, life is short and it's like and with having a kid and my values have kind of changed a little bit. It's like finding that balanced quality of life where you can step back and spend time uh, with family and things like that. Like, um my upbringing really showed me that you can start from nothing and end up really successful without too much, without like 
those pieces of papers that qualify other people because you just really drove yourself to get there. Um, like I'm in mechanical engineering and I'm seeing myself more as a, or currently like a project manager and I'm seeing myself more as a like national operations manager kind of a guy. Like that's, that's my thing that I realize that I really like to do. It's just like varying out the pieces on a national level and making them work. And that's what potentially one of my roles may be if I get the offer here this week. Woohoo! Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's it for this uh, this week's episode. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And I hope you learned something and enjoyed the podcast. Uh, help us out if you'd like. Uh, give us a like. Subscribe or rate us, review us, whatever you want. And you have ideas or topics that you'd like to hear about feel free to email us at calculatedabsurdity at gmail.com have a good one everybody bye, bye. bye.